Welcome to Retro Fanfic Retrospective, the podcast where we dredge up old fanfiction and expose it to the cold, harsh light of 2023. My name is Amato, you killed my father, prepare to die, and with me is... Tori. Um... You stole my line. <laughs> <laughs> There's only the one good joke. I know, right? I was still gonna say. If you're uh, gonna say your name. <laughs> Be the Dread Pirate Tori. Okay, th- that's good. Yeah, you could say the you're the latest person to take on the name of Tori, the name and mantle. It's true. I mean, there have been other Tories before me, <laughs> and I'm sure there will be other ones after. Will you have to pick your successor though and train them? Of course. <laughs> Is that even a question? <laughs> Makes sense to me. Yes, today it is just you and me today. And we are continuing our journey through a few very short fanfics from Yuletide 2007. And there were some good options that I was looking at. You know, at one point I was asking you about like some old fantasy series. I, I, what is it? Like, I constantly think that you've read The Wheel of Time or something and you haven't. I, I, yeah, not all of it, no. But you were like, oh, but I've read The Belgariad. Yes. And, I was like, and I should look for Belgier and, and Malorian, sure. Yeah. Though I, I don't remember the Malorian too well. Nor do I, but, you know, but it's spe- been read. Speaking of that, though, on this short list of fanfic wrecks from Yuletide 2007 by Aishu, which I will provide a link to in the show notes, that I'm using right now to make life easy for me, there was a story from the Belgariad. Oh, really? Yeah, and so I was like, oh, we should read that. Then I read the description. A missing scene. Adara and Hetar get around to talking. And I was like, who who are those characters? I don't remember those characters at all. Yeah, well, no, I do. Um, Oh, you do? Okay. Yes. But I don't know in what context they would need to talk. I think I need to reread those books. (laughs) Um, Yeah, because I remember some of the characters pretty well. And Mm -hmm. I remember the existence, but maybe not the names of some other characters. And I remember maybe three things that happen over mm. the course of those 10 books. So, you know what? Maybe we're not quite ready to read a Belgariad fanfic. Uh, yes. Well, I, I, if I recall, Adara and Hetar got married. Oh, so maybe they should talk at some point then. They probably should, right? So who's, who's Adara? I, who's Hetar? <laughs> um, so, I don't know. She's... There's so much freaking history to this. So I I mean I I like <laughs> we could deep dive into it, but okay. I'm not sure if I prepared. Neither of them are Sinedra or Silk or no. you know Belgarath or Pulgara. So um or Sparhawk. So I I'm done, yeah. Or Ulas. I don't remember that one. <laughs> you remember Ulas? The bar- he's the, the barbarian guy. Barbarian guy, excuse me. Oh, okay. He's like the, the big tough guy. Yeah. And what what's the Smith's name who gets to be a cool wizard later? Um Good question. Okay, well, anyway, long story short, we're not reading the Belgariad fanfic because mm-hmm. I was lost just looking at the summary. So, I am, I'm looking up Adar right now, and I'm like, I still don't know how to explain her to you. She's she's a part of the story. Okay. Sildara's well, sister, uh, Garion's cousin. Oh, okay. Yeah. You had a cu- cousin? Mm-hmm. I guess he should have had a whole lot of cousins all over the place, but I, I remember it being more like a line of kings strider type situation where it's like a whole bunch of generations of having a single child or something. Mm-hmm. All of them raised by Pulgara. 
Hmm. I think, you know, that could be possible. That's one way to view it. <laughs> okay. So instead of something that I vaguely recall from my childhood, we're reading a fanfic based on a franchise where we could probably both quote the entire movie just off, you know, the top of our heads, right? Indeed. At least in summary. And that is The Princess Bride. Now, I'm making an assumption that you basically saw The Princess Bride like a dozen times over the course of your life, but I feel like it's a reasonable assumption given that, you know, we both grew up around the same time. A dozen times? That seems low. (laughs) How many times would you estimate? Oh, wait, gosh. At least, well, at least 20. Like, (laughs) probably, you know, it's one of those movies that they also used to show on TV. So, like, at a certain point, you go, like, did I watch that like three times a year growing up? Like it's entirely possible. It's it's an interesting it's an interesting popular culture artifact, right? Mm-hmm. Where like I feel like everybody of our generation loves that movie. And I feel like I've tried it's a great movie. reading, you know, reviews of it and such too, where the reviewers also like Speaking objectively about this movie, like these are some flaws you could describe about it, but I can't speak objectively about this movie. It's The Princess Bride. It's it's perfect. No, I like, mean, who wants to speak objectively about it? There really isn't. Well, sure. I mean, I'm sure it's not a hundred percent perfect, but like, come on, man, it's The Princess Bride. You're right. You're right. Right. I just realized how correct you are. <laughs> right. And uh, did you read the book too? I assume. Hmm. The weird thing about the book, like, I I read it after seeing the movie, right? Same, yeah. But it's, like, shocking how much in tone to the book the movie is. Oh, it is, yeah. Like, it's, like, perfectly in tone. I mean, obviously, you have to adapt it because one is a book and one is a movie. And, like, but in terms of just kind of, like, general attitude, tone, like, even content to a large extent, I don't know. It's, like, it's great. They're a great pair of... Yeah. yeah. It's pretty impressive, especially since the book is, like, um... I want to say it's at least 300 pages long. It's long. Yeah. They find ways. It's like the book I remember, for example, it goes, it has a whole section that's Fezzik's backstory in great detail. Mm. And they condense that into a few pairs of lines that Fezzik Mm. does while fighting Wesley in the movie. And it works fine. And they do very similar with Inigo Montoya. Like he's got a, a big old section in the book kind of like delving into his backstory in great detail, but they get the essence of it in the movie pretty well. Yeah, you, you don't need much else. I mean, in fact, you know, one of the things that I think is really great about Anigo's character is that that sort of repeated, you know, he's going to find the guy who killed his, his dad. It's a six-fingered man. Like, he's going to say to him, my name is Anigo Montoya. I killed my father. Prepare to die. Like, that's... Again, that's the essence boiled down. And right. it's really all you need. And despite that, it's repeated multiple times in the film. To make sure you get it. Right. But like, like at a certain point, you think, oh, they could have spent this time diving deeper into his actual backstory. But actually, I just want to see Mandy Patkinson deliver that line <laughs> a few more times. Patankin. Sorry, I, I don't actually, I've never I said that out loud. Ma- Manny Patankin? I said Patankin? I can't. Patankin? I don't remember. I'm just looking out off the cast list at the moment. That was Patankin. But I want to see that guy say know. that line. And Indeed. on that front, the movie delivers. Mm-hmm. I think the only time I was ever disappointed in The Princess Bride was when um, Conan got this uh, LED HD TV. Okay. 
like 10 years ago or something. Copy of it. And so it was this incredibly high def TV for the time. And you could see all the actors makeup. Like you oh. see like the scar and how it was pasted on and like the eye black. on Not intended on for that level of resolution. Indeed. Yes. And that was the only time I was ever disappointed. I was like, my suspension of disbelief has been suspended. I've experienced that sometimes with old animation. I, I don't mean like old, old, like, you know, 50s, 60s animation, but even just like 80s or, you know, 90s animation where like then if they like remaster it and make it super, super sharp, it looks weird. Yeah. It's like that's that's just not how it's supposed to look you in my mind. You weren't meant to see it that way. Right. Yeah. Was it obviously, you know, shot in the best resolution possible right. analog. And I, I was probably watching it in about the best resolution po- possible, which was a decent TV. <laughs> Indeed. All right. Our story for today. Oh, right. We were reading a fanfic. Yeah, I mean, we were. We were. It is called There Will Be No Survivors Except for the Survivors Behind the Curtain But Pay No Attention to Them by Nightshade. And it was written for Yuletide 2007, as was our previous fanfic and as previously noted. You can find a copy of it on AO3 that I will be pointing to. And this one is 2,481 words long, which means... It's about 500 words longer than the Narnia fanfic we read for the last episode. Huh. It does not feel that way. No. But that's because the Narnia fanfic was very dense. And this one is breezy, which is about what you might expect from an in-tone Princess Bride fanfic. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like, it's uh, it's a bit dense because to communicate so much information in so few words is still a bit dense, but like not as much emotional content at any way, shape, or form. Oh, and I would also like to point out, the author's name is Nightshade K-N-I- Oh, yes, excuse me. Night as in the Night of Shades. I don't know. Sure, that tarot card. Could it be Night's Hade? I mean, it could. You could read it that way. But one wouldn't. No, yeah, it's Nightshade with a K. Yeah. Oh, it's just cool that way. I just wanted to point it out because it's awesome. All right. And this story is a post-movie or book or whatever, post-movie fanfic. Um, It's not doing the, like, following up from the, like, whatever you call it, cliffhanger ending of the book or whatever, where there was supposed mm. to be a sequel that didn't actually exist. I mean, not supposed to. There was in the fiction of the book, whatever. Um, it, it's not a Buttercup's baby thing. It's like everything's been resolved and is peaceful, and now we're going to spend a little time with a couple of these characters. And those two characters are Wesley and Inigo. Right. Well, it's following up on um, the ending of the movie where like Wesley was like, oh, there's going to be an opening for a new Dread Pirate Robert. Oh, yeah. that's. I, I forgot that that was said at the end there. Right. Indeed. So Wesley is training Inigo to be the dupe Dread Pirate Roberts, but it's not going so well. Right. And so we we get in the story. It starts off with a little bit of setup with that. Um, it's the two of them on the ship called the Revenge, which I guess is an appropriate name for both of them to be associated with as a ship. Indeed. <laughs> and yeah, basically like Inigo's here to be trained as the Dread Pirate Roberts and how to sail a ship and everything, but he doesn't really seem to be into it. Where the story starts to get fun is after that initial kind of exposition setup, when we get into the dialogue. Because I think the dialogue in this story overall yes. is very well written. Like, I can hear the 
the actors' voices a lot mm-hmm. of the time. Oh yeah, so I was like really apprehensive about reading Princess Bride fanfic. I was like, how? When I said I found one. You, you, yeah, you, yeah, you said like I don't know about a Princess Bride fanfic. Well, I just, I, I just, it's such a self-contained story, and the humor is so well done, and the tones of voice are so kind of on point. It just felt like it would be hard to replicate, and I think this fanfic does a decent job. Yeah. I was not disappointed um my expectations were low but i was not disappointed (laughs) i think it gets the voices pretty well and the sorts of things that might be said and i think the whole um the whole kind of initial dialogue between them when he's trying to train an ego before they're really talking about what the problem is i found that whole sequence very entertaining indeed yeah. Well, and there's another thing going on, which is like Wesley is like just feels beholden to train someone in this role, but right. he really just wants to hang out with the Buttercup. That's He's right. like, I finally found my true love, and I want to get back to her. He just feels like he owes it to the his previous Dread right. Pirate Roberts, and the line of Dread Pirate Roberts is to not just let <laughs> the Dread Pirate Roberts disappear. And part of the comedy is Inigo is also just like, I'm not sure if I'm into this, man. So like neither of them are super right. into this, but they're still trying to make it work. The second section starts, I'm very sorry, but I have captured your ship, Inigo said, his sword raised somewhat flaccidly. If you don't mind, please turn over your bounty. That was polite, Wesley said, just before he caught the spray from a large wave in the face, and then skipping forward a bit. Not that polite is bad, Wesley continued, looking up at Inigo, but I think it needs a little oomph. Oomph? Yes, a sense of urgency, a visible threat. Inigo sighed. My sword is not enough? And then it goes on and Wesley's like, look, okay, imagine that the ship is full of Count Rugens and like they all had a hand in slaying your father and you just run to the ground. Now what would you say? Inigo raised his sword and turned to look over the rail. Hello, my name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die? Question mark. (laughs) And, you know, they have to go through this where like Wesley's like, okay, yeah, now imagine that you're not in the revenge business, you're in the pirate business. Tailor it to your current situation. Um. Anyway, it, it, it's well, that. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh the, the next part's great too, right? Right. Inigo took his stance again, sword raised with a bit more metal this time. Hello, my name is Inigo Montoya. I've captured your ship. Prepare to die. Wesley nodded. Good, good. Except that you aren't Inigo Montoya. Oh, right, right. Sorry. And then he like tries again with like Dread Pirate Roberts. Yeah. And then and then he's yeah. Wesley's like, not a problem. Try it again. <laughs> so like this is just a lot of quip and banter. Yeah. It's, it's a, but it's the kind of banter that you know, I would expect. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and right. But then they get into the, the reads here where like, what, once they kind of get it down, it's like, what are you going to say when you capture their ship? You're here to take their stuff mm-hmm. and whatever. Then Inigo starts kind of complaining about the whole concept. He says like, he does not think he's cut out for piracy. What? I should would think that your years in revenge would have prefer- prepared you perfectly. You've got all the skills and you have to admit the pay is much better. And Inigo's like, it's just that piracy does not seem so noble. They go kind of back and forth on that and, you know, whether merchants are right. are noble people to begin with or whatever. <laughs> well, actually, this is a great <laughs> scene because, like, attacking innocent merchants uh, in this well-armed crew, well-crewed brig, uh, and that, like... It does not seem so sporting, like challenging yes. an unarmed man to a duel. <laughs> and that, uh, have you ever met an honest 
used horse trader. You're more likely to find a living, breathing unicorn. <laughs> Wesley paused and pursed his lips. Although, if you know where to look, really, you've seen a unicorn. It's a long story for some other time. Wesley flipped his hand casually. <laughs> and sure, that's, that's I believe that, that too. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's, it's all just, they say of it. Well, it's that thing where, like, Inigo is trying to make this argument, like, oh, this is not fair. Wesley's like, yeah, but these merchants aren't honest. You'd more be more likely to find a unicorn that digresses into, oh, you've seen an actual unicorn? <laughs> and then it gets into the kind of emotional core, which when I say the emotional core, I don't mean that this is a in-depth psychological character study, just that like there's kind of a point that needs to be addressed here that like I hadn't thought about in this whole business. Um, but Inigo says... There's the the main the real problem that he hasn't really been getting at is the matter of the slaughter. Having spent my life trying to avenge my father's death at the hand of the six-fingered man, I'm afraid I cannot stomach the idea of slaughtering men and leaving their children fatherless. I do not wish to become some other man, son's Count Rugen. Wesley lifted a brow. The dread pirate Roberts leaves no survivors. Oh, the match finally struck. That, well, that's more of a catchphrase, really. A marketing scheme. But suddenly, <laughs> Inigo's ennui made infinitely more sense. And it's like, he didn't get this up until that. I didn't think that this was being taken literally. I mean, it's kind of... It's, it's also funny. It's like, funny because once you think about it, it's like, yeah, we're not supposed to think that Wesley, the character, has murdered a whole like whole bunch of people, of even not. though he's the Dread Pirate Roberts. You're not actually supposed to be like, this is a man who has killed hundreds and hundreds. And so... It's kind of funny just that, like, actually, that's such a blatant lie that even Wesley, the Dread Pirate Roberts, kind of forgot that that was a thing. Yeah. Like. But, like, I think the weirdest part, like, the weirdest of this fanfic to me is that, like, Inigo actually believes that it could have been true. Because, like, as an audience, we're never supposed to believe that. We're always supposed to believe it was a fabrication. I mean, even when you hear Wesley's story and it's like, the Dread Pirate Roberts like, I'll probably kill you. And, like... He, he doesn't. Mm -hmm. I, I think we are just supposed to expand that mentally to think that, sure, the Dread Pirate Roberts leaves no survivors. Yeah, sure, he does. Yes. Or whatever. Yes. You know, the same concept. But, um, but then the fanfic spends a weirder part, the second half of the story, kind of explaining the logistics of a Dread Pirate Roberts leaving survivors, right. but not leaving a reputation for leaving survivors. And now this is the part where I'm like, this is getting a little into, I mean, it's funny in its own right, but it's getting a little into some moral trickiness <laughs> for sure. Because it, it's a little uh, kind of into the weeds, isn't it? Like it is. Yes. Um, it's like the characters bantering each other is fun. Pointing out that this is a moral issue with Inigo is completely worth doing. Mm -hmm. But then this whole like logistical stuff is just it gets a little bit silly. Well, yeah. And again, a little bit like I'm not sure if this is morally justified, which like in <laughs> The Princess Bride, you would think like, yes, there'd be comedy. But, it, you know, in the end, the heroes would be heroes. Right. Uh, but I suppose what's happened is um, there's the what is it? de mucho mucho muerte or something like that. At which point, Inigo's like, "Do you know what that name means?" And Wesley's like, "Yeah, of course I do." Um, he speaks some Spanish. Yeah, de mucho mucho muerte. Uh, you know, Isle of much much death. 
<laughs> but that's also marketing. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it, it it's basically back and forth between them at that point, describing what the Isla de Muerte actually is. He says he even wants uh, to vacation there with Buttercup because it's so beautiful. <laughs> but, uh... So, yeah, do, do you want to try to explain what this setup is? It's just so, so specific. So... Basically, they call it the Isla de Mucha Mucha Muerte because they want to deter tourists. But really, uh, anybody they sort of like kidnap, they do. Apparently, the pirates do kill people who like fall while in battle um, if they really want to. I don't even know. But mostly, they take people to that island voluntarily, question mark? Involuntarily after their ships are captured. But then they but end up they liking set up it. a new life there. Yeah, it's and um, you know they and <laughs> you can't easily get on and off it without help from sirens who are in league with the Indeed. pirates who make their base from that island. Oh yeah, there's actually a like, kind of a funny joke there. I can't remember exactly what it is, but it's like what the sex joke. We keep them well stocked. The sirens. We keep them well stocked and handsome. Y- Young sailors, strictly single ones, mind you. Strictly single ones, mind you, yeah. <laughs> so they don't let anyone off the island without permission from the pirate guild. Boy. And it's, like, so problematic, but, like, the when they say, like, oh, strictly single ones, mind you. You know, we're, we're being moral. That's the moral part. <laughs> right. No one's cheating. We're just keeping people on this island. <laughs> um, And then... Even then, and, and he's like, don't worry, they're, they're like merchants, they just like set up a thriving free market economy and a democracy that they have there or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then there's still the moral issue that Nigo points out of like separating parents from their loved ones. Mm-hmm. And then there's even more justification that Wesley's going through where they set up a, I mean, they'll have their families kidnapped to be brought over to the island and, you know, set up their new lives or whatever. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's like, so you've imprisoned them. Well, technically, yes, but they don't see it that way for long. The first groups of survivors had it rough, I'll admit, but they quickly set up a thriving free market system. It's okay. Like, yeah. Like, really, though? I mean, like, I get that the, it's the a thing joke. Is, right. But... It's a joke. And so in the context of the Princess Bride world, I understand why one can just accept, yeah, okay, and and it works. Mm. Like, I understand that. It's just that there's so much detail there going into the logistics of how this works that it invites more scrutiny than it should have. Indeed. And especially because that's just basically most of the fanfic is trying to explain to Inigo why this is somehow morally justified. But when the jokes come in, it's it's just not. Right? And no, it's still it's still not. Okay. And so it it honestly would have been better, I would think, if Wesley was like, "Oh yeah, we leave survivors like people who fight, we don't kill, and then we just like dump them off at like a remote, you know, Indeed. like somewhere else." And this, if we didn't go into it, because that's and then also that could have led into the last part of the fanfic because Wesley could say, "Look, that's what I did. You can do it how you want it," mm-hmm. and then it would kind of lead into the last section of the story um 
which is Wesley, who, like you said, he wants a quaint domestic life with Buttercup is what he wants. And so our last, you know, our last section of the story is Wesley in a quaint domestic life with Buttercup reading a newspaper or whatever. Um, do they have, I was going to say, do they, do they have newspapers when the Princess Bride was set but then i was like wait when's the princess bride set i don't even know it's set in a fantasy it's set in a world fairy tale yeah like something they have like machines that can drain years out of your life so okay but can they also print newspapers probably probably yeah yeah fair yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> anyway yeah he's he's reading reading the newspaper about the activities of the dread pirate roberts the magic newspaper and the last um, so he, he says, according to the news, he's talking to Buttercup. It says that the Dread Pirate Roberts has started attacking the king's tax collection ships. And, you know, she asks, well, why that? Probably because they carry a much large, carry a large quantity of gold coins, which are much easier to handle than goods. And the king's boats are typically manned by indentured servants or debtors. And Buttercup says it wasn't well, a dangerous to fight against the king. And Wesley's like, yeah, but I think he's just trying to find a way to make piracy noble. And like, that's a cute way to i think yeah. to like tie a bow on the dread pirate roberts inigo montoya thing right it's like yeah he gets to find his own way to want to do it indeed indeed um and as far as that goes i really appreciate what the author was doing there yes i mean yeah it's like it's like overarchingly fine in terms of the plot like especially you know following up after the movie like how does Inigo like become his own pirate and like dread pirate Roberts like he's obviously quite different than Wesley mm-hmm. um, and he has a strong sense of morality and the author made a good point of this though I mean half of this maybe more than half of this is about the jokes <laughs> well sure and something like I especially I did find even though like Okay, I like an internal conflict because the jokes come, but they come out of, like, left field. Like, you expect them because it's Princess Bride. It's very Princess Bride humor. But, like, in a moment where Inigo is, like, actually arguing about the morality of, like, holding these people on this island, then you get these lines about, uh, like, jokes about uh, democracy, mm-hmm. um, which is funny Right. I'll read it out. Um, let's see. It's after you've imprisoned them. Well, technically, yes. You can't let merchants out of your sight for a second or they're trying to buy or sell anything not bolted down. And the island is owned by Spain? And you go ask? Well, it was, but the king found them far too troublesome. They dumped some of the meat into one of the harbors and he finally threw up his hands, told them they were on their own. And he goes eyes wide. Like the, the, and who governs them? I like the brief nod to the American Revolution there too. Yes. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And then Anigo goes, "Who governs them? Oh, they govern themselves. Democracy." And Anigo's blank look. Wesley shifted and draped his hands across his knee. It's a system where they choose their own leaders from a group of kings. Oh no, no kings, just ordinary, albeit ambitious people. That does not seem like a wise idea. And letting old any old inbred bastard with some claim to a bloodline is? And he goes shrugged. You have a point. Well, yeah, and, so, then, I, and like, then I like he says, yeah. right, it must be nice to have leaders that people choose themselves. And the, the final joke in that sequence is Wesley saying, oh, yeah, but just because they choose leaders doesn't mean they like them. And by the time their term of, right. of office is over, they're 
everyone's ready to throw him out and choose someone new. And I don't know. You're right. It's it's not like the sharpest humor, but it's all kind of lighthearted and it's in the enjoy tone. and in tone and yeah. yeah. But it doesn't really offset the fact that they've been kidnapping, or at least like Wesley has been kidnapping people. Like, does it? I don't know. Yeah, I think if one could have found jokes in another direction, well, well, we'll we'll get to it, I guess, with when we get to our favorites and least favorites. Yeah, yeah. Now, the thing is, there's not a whole lot more in this story, which means this might be shaping up to be the shortest episode we've ever recorded. Yeah, maybe. I think we're about half an hour in right now. Yeah. Wow, go us. <laughs> well, we can be concise. I could find even shorter fanfics that are 100 words long. <laughs> and we won't even have anything to say about it. It's all drabbles now, from now on, to make life easy. Oh, no. <laughs> but is there anything else that you want to touch on in terms of what's in the story before we start to close it out a bit? I think that covers it for me. Okay. Well, then, what is your major complaint about this story um, or something that you think could have been improved? I feel like I kind of covered it, but I'll kind of umbrella and say like, this is so close to working for me. Like the humor is it the tone. Um, and the characters seem generally well characterized. But when you get down to this point where, like, Wesley has literally been kidnapping people, that does not seem in character. And I think it throws the whole thing off, especially because Inigo points it out and says, this doesn't seem moral to me. <laughs> and then you're just like, yeah, it doesn't. And for that reason, it doesn't seem like it's in Wesley's character. Well, the thing is, I don't so much object to that because i think really inigo be inigo's far more moral than wesley inigo's an idealist and wesley's a practical person i mean obviously he's not like evil he's still like trying to do a good thing yeah. but like i think if wesley needed to do something a little sketchy it's not going to bother him too much as long as like he knows why he's doing it in a larger sense like you know to be to act as the dread pirate roberts like maybe he he would do some immoral things and it, it's you know not like mass murder immoral but like yeah sorry kind of like sucks to be you i'm dragging you away from your old life but i'll dump you over here good luck like here's you have what you need i feel like wesley could do that and Inigo absolutely could not and to that extent hmm. i think the story is well positioned i think even that's if that's true though and you might be right i still think that it um it's hard to read because some of the humor falls flat yeah, yeah. when you're, you know, like I like some of it's like supposed to be lighthearted. But when you drag it, you know, when you make it so literal as to say, yes, an ego being kind of a straight man in ways saying literally you have kidnapped this people. um, It ceases to be so humorous. Right. I understand. I think that's a fair complaint. I just think. Also, you can, I, I still think you can contrast the two of them and say that fundamentally Indigo is a more idealistic, good person than Wesley. Um, I do have a minor complaint, which is the complete absence of Fezzik, just because, <laughs> I mean, look, personally, as a fan, like, I want more Fezzik. I, 
like our entire generation loves Andre the Giant just from that movie and from that character. Indeed. But also, Fezzik is positioned in the movie as um, Inigo's best friend. And they're very similar in their values, too. That sense of like fair play and like concern for, you know, that, that their actions are, if not at, at the very least fair and hopefully just, is something that they share. And Fezzik's also out of a job at the movie. So like, why wouldn't he go pirating with Inigo? You know? Uh, I think he would yeah. be I think he would be happy to leave the being the dread pirate Roberts to Inigo. So in that sense, like the story could still focus on it. But you know, I don't know. He's not even mentioned. Yeah, well, I mean, very few characters are. Um, I mean, like Buttercup's mentioned, but like only get a breath, you know. Yeah, but like, we got we got four protagonists in that movie. Three of them are in this story. Yeah. No, uh, well, I mean, but Buttercup's like not really though to be fair like she didn't do much of the her, movie her, either her yeah, existence or, is noted yeah yeah physics <laughs> yeah. is not that's that's all it's so just that like, is actually really fair like yeah. look he even he didn't even have to appear in the story if if wesley was reading the paper and read that like you know the dread pirate roberts and his right hand giant were like pirating and it's just like oh looks like you yeah, know yeah yeah looks like he recruited physic to to join him like i don't know that i'd be i'd be happy really, with that yeah though that's a great point um I guess I was only going to say that, like, it's somewhat juxtaposed because, like, apparently this story just wanted to focus mostly on Wesley and Inigo. Yeah. But, yeah, like, it doesn't make sense contextually not to have Fezzik even mentioned. You're right. It bothered me a little bit. But, you know, I, 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 that's also me being picky, of course. I think, I think your complaint is the bigger complaint, which is just that you don't, you don't want to go into so much detail on this whole setup because it just makes you think that actually it's still really messed up. Right. Like <laughs> they could have like some of the, these jokes work. Right. Well, and I guess, yeah, we could move on to the praise. Yeah, like, let's these talk about the praise. jokes work. Like they are good. It's just, yeah, the, like in the slip back to criticism, it's just that like they needed to not be so in depth on it. But like, yeah, these jokes are great. Like, I I love the one where they imply like the the you know, it, the throwing the mead and and Nigo has to be like, what is democracy and and have that, that like whole like idea. yeah, it sounds like a terrible idea. Yeah, like it's so Princess Bride, it's so in tone. Like, and that's great in tone, and I think in voice most of the time, which mm-hmm. is really nice because the voices of the characters are so fun that like when when it's like. Inigo pitching his like ways he's going to threaten merchants and Wesley being like, hmm, yeah, okay. And Inigo having to be like, what, what's, what's the problem? And then like, you know, Wesley like going back in with like a little bit of constructive criticism. Like that's just such the kind of back and forth that the characters in Princess Bride would have, right. that it sounds so good. Um, and I think I'm also a bigger fan of the concept than you, where I think, I think the idea that Inigo has very firm morals and needs to find a way to make the Dread Pirate Roberts work with his morality in ways that did not bother Wesley. I think that's a great sound character, like character driven premise for this very short kind of dialogue focused story. Well, I think you're right. And actually, like, that's one of the things I like the most, too, is these 
pieces of dialogue that really illustrate who the characters are in juxtaposition to right. each other. I think that's the, I think that concept is very strong. Mm-hmm. And so when the author can make that work, I think that's a really it's something actually worth doing with the characters post Princess Bride. And I share your instinct, Tori, that there's probably not a whole lot worth doing with the characters post Princess Bride. Right? Like you don't you don't wanna Right. They're not characters that can necessarily support another long story besides the one story they were in. I mean, I'm sure someone has proven me wrong with some like amazing, you know, Princess Bride follow-up that like does things with the character of Buttercup that I can't even imagine. So yeah. But I think that is a good point of praise for this story mm-hmm. is in terms of doing what I didn't think you could do. It, and I'm not saying they did it perfectly, but but it was gen- so much yeah. better that, you know, I just would have expected it to fall on its face. They kept their scope limited. Right. They they knew what they could and couldn't. They picked one thing right. that was training one thing Inigo to that be was a good idea. Roberts. Right. Yeah. And and a good direction to go with that, even if I I agree that it wasn't executed perfectly in my mind. Mm. But of course, we're also picking on this these you know tiny little Yuletide fix that most of the time were like made to please someone else anyway, well, and like are are so you know like I feel like for most of these Yuletide fix, their very existence is kind of a joy, and so one doesn't want to get too down on them anyway. Oh, well, you you know, going off of that, I mean, as much as like, yeah, like there are those disappointments. I actually think that they achieved most of what you pretty much everything you could want Mm -hmm. from a Princess Bride fanfic, which I think is really difficult to do, which is having the characters be in town, having the jokes Mm -hmm. kind of be thematically. Yeah. And yeah, well. Jokes be, yeah, thematically appropriate. Having the world be, the setting work as well as it did. I, I don't know. I, I'm having a hard time describing it. But, like, they basically did everything to make it feel like Princess Bride, which is a lot of stuff because it is so unique sort of in its tone. Mm-hmm. And that might bring us to the end of this one, don't you think? I think so. Okay, maybe next time we'll read or talk about something a little bit longer than than you will tide 2000 2500 word stories but it's 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 so fun to read well-written stories about these franchises that otherwise have like no <laughs> fan fiction that i might be drawn back to this again at some point in the future as well i mean i kind of like, really like doing these short ones oh like, really yeah well oh, when no. they're good and these well, are good well they are both good yeah, yeah. Uh, the the two that we've done in this sitting and i oh right and i overall liked <laughs> um Overall liked Last Rites of Wednesday Adams too. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe this is like another reckless that I used back in the day, and we'll just kind of read half of them eventually. We'll see. Did you, did you read XX? How do you even say the holic, the, the manga, the, the clamp? Manga? I call it XX holic, but. <laughs> Short one X. Wait, it's XXX holic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I call it XX holic because I'm on the edge. There you the go. The fringes of society. Oh, XXX holic. Yeah. Whatever. We'll we'll cross those bridges when we come to them. Shalik. Shalik. That's the sound that an X makes, right? Sometimes. Well, in the meantime, 
This has been episode 153 of Retro Fanfic Retrospective. The Princess Bride fanfic, there will be no survivors, except for the survivors behind the curtain, but pay no attention to them, by Nightshade with a K, written for Yuletide 2007. And you can find a link to the AO3 copy on our show notes, and I'll also provide a link to the rec list that I've been using to find these Yuletide 2007 fanfics. And if you follow the link on the AO3 of this, you can also find the collection of all the Yuletide 2007 fanfics. And why would you want to read any Yuletide stories newer than 2007 when you could read old fanfic? That's the premise of this show. Yeah. I don't think any franchises people are interested in have come out in the last, like, 16 years, right? Not as far as I'm aware. No, I mean, I haven't been paying attention either. Only old things are good. I'm not the person to ask. (laughs) Only old things are good, I say, as an aging, you know, moving into middle-aged man. Here we go. (laughs) The intro song for the podcast is The Weekly Fair off of the album Popey's Incredible Adventure by Komiku. The outro song is Run Against the Universe from the same album, and you can find that album and other works by Komiku at loyaltyfreakmusic.com. Our podcast is edited by the true hero of this story, Della Rose, who, uh edits the things <laughs> and has been doing that this whole heroically, time yeah. heroically edits the things. Corey, have you ever needed to edit one of these i i feel like you volunteered like Della, if you're not able to do it i can give it a shot and i think she never took you she up on that trust right? me i mean i certainly would not trust myself to edit a podcast for the first time i either. edited at least one of our episodes in like the first six months uh-huh. that we did this. Oh, okay. You did. Since then. Got it. I have not been trusted. <laughs> you can find her website at retrofanficretrospective.podbean.com or bit.ly slash retrofanfic. And if you have questions, comments, or thoughts about the episode, you can contact us on Twitter at retrofanfic, Facebook at retrofanfic, send us an email at retrofanficretrospective at gmail.com or leave comments or reviews on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast service you happen to use. Even if that message is just, you know, a quote from The Princess Bride, which is how our generation communicates with each other, that would still be appreciated. A meme. A meme there from The Princess Bride. Okay, yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. I'm too old for memes. Sometimes I feel that way too, but <laughs> then I remember that we are the meme generation. Technically. I just didn't make the memes. No. All right. I'm Amato. I'm Tori. We're just two Earth life forms trying to find responsible ways to dispose of the merchants who we capture along with their ships and goods. Until next time, take care. Really got to work on those uh, <laughs> that pool of sirens we've tried to, <laughs> trying to cultivate there.